My name's Rich Wells. I'm one of the deacons here. Scripture reading this morning is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. That's in page, on page 976 on the Pew Bible. And uh, I'll give you a second to, to get to the Scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption of sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege of being here this morning and worshiping freely without fear of persecution for the singing your praises and the songs. And You're very, very good to us. And we thank you for Pastor Toby who is prepared to bring your word to us this morning. And we pray, Father, that all we do in our service this morning would be honoring and glorifying to you that we would exalt you Lord Jesus that we would worship you in spirit and in truth and we pray for Pastor Toby as he speaks to us this morning what you put on his heart that you would strengthen him to speak with power and clarity exactly what you would have him to speak to us and and that you would accomplish in each of our hearts and lives what you intend and that we listen attentively and learn and apply what we hear this morning. Thank you again for the privilege of being here and, and hearing your word taught and proclaimed rightly and accurately and for the privilege of worshiping you in, in song and in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I am thankful this morning to be part of a singing congregation. Um, I'm in a rumbling congregation. Whoever that was, you should have eaten breakfast this morning. The, but I'm thankful for a congregation that sings, a congregation that often overwhelms those of us who happen to be on the platform with singing. 
And that has never been more true than this morning when after I sat down, after the first two uh, songs, I realized my microphone was completely off. But I didn't even notice that because you all were singing. And so how wonderful it is to be part of a congregation that loves to sing God's praise. Um, it is one of those intangible and uh, unquantifiable blessings of the grace of God on any congregation. I think everybody who's up here on the platform would laugh at the idea that we perform at any time. Uh, our goal is actually just to facilitate all of us singing praise to God uh, in as best a way as we can. And so I'm thankful for that reminder this morning of how uh, dispensable my voice really is uh, among the praise of God's people. Um, but it is, uh, it is wonderful to, to be together. I would just a brief word about the Good Friday service that's coming up. Uh, it will be a great joy to host. Uh, a couple of years ago, we gave an offering at the Good Friday service to go to help purchase a new uh, van for the Good News Mission. This year, we are taking an offering and we are going to split it between two missionaries that are seeking to get on the field. So half of the offering that we give will go to the Sanfords from our congregation who are going to North Africa. And then the other half of that will go toward Outfit and Passage for Lynette Circle, who is the daughter of, of Chuck Circle, pastor at Franklin Road, and she is seeking to get on the field in uh, Hungary. And so both of them will have displays in the gymnasium for you to be able to interact with them. Uh, but how exciting it is that this year two of our congregations are working to get missionaries on the field seeking to uh, uh, spread the gospel. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. Well, last week uh, we postponed the inevitable uh, memory verse quiz. Uh, and today, inevitability has hit our front door. And so what we're going to do is actually read together from the screens. If you're a guest with us, we've been working together to memorize these 12 verses in Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3 to verse 14. And uh, next week will be our final, uh, and uh, we will do all 12 verses together. Today we are just working through verse 12. So on the screen we will read together, and then uh, we will have the same format we have before where some of the words are blanked out and we, we work on that. All right? So let's read together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. That's not long, right? So here we go. Next week I'll put more blanks in because I know you really like to be challenged. So here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. <clears throat> Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Amen. Keep working. You're doing well. You're trailing off at the end. That's okay. As long as you keep working. All right, it's good to hide the word of the Lord in our hearts. It is uh, wonderful to have these dense and deep and sweet and wonderful and cherished truths of the faith lodged in our minds and in our hearts. Um, and so we, that's why we continue to work toward it. There are all kinds of blessings from the Lord Every good and perfect gift is from heaven. However, some of these blessings are not guaranteed to last. Some of the things that we call blessings, in fact, uh, I was just in a restaurant this week where one person was saying to another, they were just feeling blessed to be above ground and breathing. Now, true enough, right? Uh, the Lord gives us our life and our breath and our very being. And we speak of being blessed with health or in our marriage or with friends or with a home or with children or with grandchildren or a job or provision or a car, some measure of success in our careers. We, we would explain, we would say that we are blessed in these things and indeed we are for uh, every good and perfect gift comes from above. But as wonderful as these blessings are, as much as we should praise God for them, they are not guaranteed to last. Many of you could probably testify to losing some of these very things that we would say are blessings. 
losing a spouse, losing a home, losing a child, losing friends, losing family, losing your health, through circumstances beyond your control. And it's painful, isn't it? It's painful to lose these good things. And it's at those moments that many people would begin to ask questions like, is God really good? Does God really care? Has God removed his blessing from me? And it's in that moment, dear friend, that the Apostle Paul would come and he would put his arm around your shoulder. And he would point you to these words given through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. That there is a set of blessings that no matter whatever other blessings may come and go in your life, whatever measure of temporal blessing you may be feeling the presence of or feeling the loss of at this moment, there are blessings that go nowhere. He would say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. He would remind us of Jesus' words, wouldn't he? That we have treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Where thieves cannot break in and steal. Treasure that can't be taken. Treasure that can't be repossessed. Treasure that can't be lost. Treasure beyond anything that we experience in this world. Treasure which is an eternal blessing. As we are working our way through Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, we are, as it were, going deeper into this mind shaft of God's Word and seeing the treasures. It's almost to switch metaphors like being in a great museum of priceless artifacts, except these artifacts are actually our artifacts. They are ours. And we walk and we see the beauty and the depth of God's election that He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And we walk into the next room and there is a frame that fills the entire wall with a sea of human faces and we find our face in there as one who is adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. And we go into the next room and on the floor lies a dingy and dirty and heavy and seemingly unending chain of sin from which we have been freed. We walk in to be reminded of the redemption that we have in Christ. And today we walk into a room it's like at the end of National Treasure 
they finally get to that room, right? And the, the, it lights up all the way around and the expanse of treasure is overwhelming. Because we've walked into the room this morning where our inheritance lies. Our inheritance in Christ. And just as we have blessed God for everything else, we bless God because he first blessed us. We bless God because he chose us. We bless God because he's adopted us. We bless God because he redeemed us. Today we bless God because he has given us an inheritance. All a blessing from the Lord that we might bless the Lord. So I want us to think about this this morning. Think about this inheritance. First, just think about this, that God gives the inheritance. Now, we know what an inheritance is. It is that which is possessed by parents and is passed on to the children. In biblical terms, it is that gift which God gives to his children by his own will, by his own mercy, by his own grace. So in the Old Testament, the land of Canaan was very much the inheritance that God was going to give his people. But as we get to the New Testament, we have a more expanded picture than a, a parcel of land. What is it that the New Testament says about our inheritance? What is it that the Christian inherits? Well, rather than turn to all of these places, uh, I may rattle off some things that you just may want to write down. But first of all, the, the Christian inherits eternal life. Jesus says there's no one who has left children or homes or houses or wives or anything who will not inherit eternal life. That was the question of the rich young ruler, wasn't it? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Sell everything. The second thing that we see very clearly in the New Testament is that the Christian inherits the very kingdom of God. In Matthew 25, in this picture of the end, when God separates, when the Son, when the Son of God separates the sheep and the goats, speaking to the sheep, speaking to those who will be rewarded, <clears throat> he says, Come, this is Matthew 25, 34, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, from the foundation of the world. The very kingdom of God, the very place where the uninterrupted rule and reign of God with his people is enjoyed forever. And in other places in the New Testament, like 1 Corinthians 6 or Ephesians 5 or Galatians 5, we have lists of things that mark those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. We inherit eternal life. We inherit the kingdom of God. We inherit the promises, according to Hebrews 6. That through perseverance, we inherit the promises of salvation that God has made. In short, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, in short, our inheritance has to do with all that belongs to heaven and all that belongs to that future, all that belongs to the new heavens and the new earth. You see, an earthly inheritance that one may receive from, say, their parents. The difference between that and our heavenly inheritance is, yes, something is passed on, 
But all you have when you have that in earthly, earthly inheritance is that which reminds you of the one that is gone. Right? With our heavenly inheritance, we don't just have the things that are promised to us in the end. We have the one who has promised it to us in the end. We inherit eternal life. We inherit the kingdom of God. We inherit the promises. But the one who promises all of those things to us is the one who will be there for us to most fully enjoy when we get there. All of, the, all of the benefits of heaven will pale in comparison to the glory of God. They actually find their light. Their light is a reflective light from God. The Lamb of God will be its light. And Peter says this about our inheritance in 1 Peter 1. It is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you. In other words, it won't fall apart, it can't be stained by sin, and it will not lose its luster. It is precious, it is pure, and it is permanent. Praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for an inheritance that is unfading and unblemished and can't be taken away and waits in heaven for you? The glories of eternal life, the glories of the kingdom of God. And Paul says of this inheritance, we have obtained an inheritance. <clears throat> now the language here is interesting. It's not just that we will obtain an inheritance, though he is speaking of future. He says we have obtained the inheritance. The verb tense is something of a completed task. It's the aorist tense and it means... Something has already been done. So it's like this. It's already been given to us, but we will receive it. It's already done. This last Christmas we were at... Is this microphone on? I don't know. Can I move? I cannot move. <clears throat> Bad for me. Good for you. All right. So then why am I putting it on my ear? All right. This last Christmas we were at my parents' house, and, and uh, it was me and my sister, and uh, Susan was sitting next to me and my mom and dad, and they wanted to talk about uh, after they're gone. And so my dad, who essentially wants to be buried in the backyard of this house, and whoever gets the house will get him with it. Um, I'm pretty sure that if it were possible and if he could, he'd just kind of hang out after death, you know, with whoever's in the house because he just never wants to leave that house. My mom, ever the practical one, wants to make a list of what every child gets. Um, I jokingly suggested giving us each different colored uh, sticky notes that we can just put on the things that we want. And she thought about running to Staples. It was... We had this weird conversation. And then, just about a month ago, I got a group text from my mom that said, All right, who wants what? I mean, that was essentially it. And Susan was, because she wants to make a list. I mean, and, uh, and so I, so Susan's phone was not near her. You, listen, Susan's phone wasn't near her. So uh, there's, a, there's a wardrobe that sits in the room that we, it reminds you of Chronicles of Narnia. Like that kind of wardrobe sits in this room. And so I, we had just mentioned it at Christmas and like, well, if you guys sell it, that's fine. If it's still here, then we would probably take it, right? 
So she writes all of this, and, and Susan's phone, it wasn't just not near her. Susan couldn't find her phone, which I'd like to say is a rare occurrence in our home, but it's not. So her phone was unfindable and not near her, so I responded on behalf of us. And I said, Susan says, if she doesn't get the wardrobe, we're not coming to visit. Uh, there's certain things it's just worth being slapped over. And, and that was one of them. So anyway, so we have this, she eventually finds her phone and, you know, uh, it, it got worse from there, but I won't go any farther. So she says, so we, we get to the end and so my brother and sister, uh, and my youngest brother didn't respond, but they responded with, well, if we have to give an answer, here's what, we, here's what it is. So my mom's last text was, it's yours. What that didn't mean was bring a truck tomorrow and take it home. What she was saying was, the decision's already been made, those things are yours, and when the time comes, you will get them. That's what Paul means by we have obtained an inheritance. There is, as we will see next week, a sense in which we enjoy some of this inheritance in the very presence of the Holy Spirit with us, giving the guarantee, the down payment, just a little taste. But the fullness of the inheritance will not come until the end. You have, we have obtained an inheritance. And, it, and actually Paul emphasizes the fact that God is the one who gives this inheritance. Now if I tell you I have obtained something, it sounds like I went out and got it, right? Because the English word obtain essentially means to go out and get something that may be very difficult to get. So if you don't have a job, your goal is to obtain a job. If you're in school, your goal is to obtain a degree, but the word here is not an active word, like we have obtained it, we finally got it. It's actually passive, it's in the passive voice, which means we have obtained something that we could never obtain unless it was given to us. You see, if we are going to get an inheritance from God, it is not going to be because we went out and got it. It's because he gave it. That's what this means. We, in him, we have obtained and inheritance. If you are going to have dear, uh, 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 eternal life, dear friend, if you, are going to have, if you are going to inherit the kingdom of God, if you are going to inherit the promises of salvation, if you are going to be there in the end, it is going to be because of the gift of God. It is not because you went out and took hold of it. God gives the inheritance. Secondly, God gives the inheritance by his sovereign power. That's what the next phrase tells us. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Nobody forced God's hand. Nobody 
made God, backed God into a corner and said, you must give these people something. It is all done by his sovereign power, all done by his sovereign goodness. And so just think about these words, predestined. We've seen this word before up in verse 5. It's a word that means to set off the bounds, set off boundaries beforehand. And in verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons. So we pictured that as God wrapping his arms around us as family, that that is the boundary that we just, we pictured right there. And now the ones that God has wrapped in his arms as his children, adopted as sons, these are the ones who get the inheritance. He predestined it. That's who gets inheritances, isn't it? The children? The children get the inheritance. He, being, having been predestined according to the purpose. Now, previously when we have seen this word in uh, verse uh, 9 and in verse 5, this word purpose could have been translated uh, the, the, the good purpose, the, the, essentially that which gives God pleasure. That he has operated for his pleasure. This is a different word purpose. It's, it's sad that, that we see the same English word because this, this represents a different word altogether. And what this word purpose means is a plan that is drawn up beforehand. It essentially means a blueprint. Okay, you're going to build a house you're going to add on to your house, you get a blueprint drawn up, a precise plan of how everything will work together. And God just didn't put his arms around us and say, well, they will get the inheritance. God's purpose is specific. It is blueprinted, encompassing every detail. It, it, it factors in every angle of life, every material needed, everything to make sure that his goal is accomplished, to make sure that his people are saved, to make sure that we have the inheritance that he has promised to us. From the death of Jesus, to the friend who shared the good news with us, to the circumstances of life, to the trials of life, to our life of faith, to our last breath, to our entrance in glory, it is all part of God's blueprint. God has not just said, well, here's a blueprint. He has factored in everything. There is not one minute detail of your life that lies outside the blueprint that God has. Meant to not just say you will get there, but how you will get there. And in the end, it will be a monument to grace. Because it's God's. And because, next word, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to the last word, but it's according to the counsel of his will. We're still in the plans here. Just keep, keep with me. This is a strong word. Counsel here means that this plan, this blueprint, this predestined, it is all definite. It is unshakable. It is immovable. It is irrevocable. It is set in stone. You see, dear Christian, we fight in the struggle against sin, and rightly so. But the days when we fail do not change God's saving purposes. 
The circumstances of your life cannot change God's counsel. When it seems that every temporal blessing is disappearing, it is not an indication that God has changed His mind about you. God's mind has been made up. He will save. He will redeem. He will adopt. He will give the inheritance. And His purposes cannot be thwarted. That is good news. That is great news. But you don't just draw up plans and write out all your, your specs and all of these things and then hand the plans to somebody who's incompetent. Right? You, do, you go into all this work to, to do it and then you find someone who is uh, not just incapable of using a hammer but has no arms, no legs. I mean, it's, it's like when we were at Disney World when we were in Disney World, we only had gone once, and I'm hoping that that's enough. But we went, and we wanted a family picture to remember this day by. And so we asked, and everywhere you look, in every time you blink, a new Disney employee is walking in front of you. So you can literally ask a question, and 14 Disney people come, and they can all answer it. Well, we couldn't find anybody. We all had our Mickey Mouse ice cream in front, of the, uh, uh, in front of the princess castle, and we were ready for the picture. But we couldn't find a Disney worker. Well, find, finally, an older gentleman walks up, and uh, Susan goes and asks him, could you take our family's picture? And he says, well, ma'am, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could do that. And, she's, and she had a, one of these nice cameras and where you just say, she said, well, it's actually, it's very easy. It, it'll focus on its own. You just hold it like this, and you, you know, you hold the button halfway in, and then, you know, you take the picture, all these things. Ma'am, I just don't think I can do that. Sir, anybody can do this. You can do this. It is very easy. And he looks at her, and he says, well, I've only got the one arm. And it's then that we realize his right jacket sleeve is pinned up, and so he can't actually hold the camera and take the picture. This is, I mean, if we had an iPhone, we could have done that. But look, God doesn't just hand the plans to anybody. Because you know who can do it besides God? Nobody. Here's the great thing. God doesn't just draw up the plan. God draws up the plan and then he sets down the pencil and he puts on the hard hat and he makes sure the work gets done. He makes sure the work gets done. If you are trusting in Christ right now, God has not simply promised that you have an inheritance and that somehow you'll make it. He is working in your life right now to get you there. Right now. That passage in 1 Peter 1 says that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, God is keeping the inheritance in heaven for us, and God is keeping us for our inheritance in heaven. 
God is keeping our inheritance in heaven for us, and he is keeping us for our inheritance in heaven. Nothing can pluck you from the hand of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You see, this guarding, he says, happens through faith. So when the New Testament calls us to examine ourselves, to examine our lives, to see whether we are in the faith, it is never so that we will look in the rear view mirror to see if somewhere in the past we had faith. The New Testament always simply wants us to look in the mirror and see, do I have faith? If we are going to have assurance of our inheritance in the future, we don't look to see if we professed faith in the past. We look to see if we possess faith in the present. Are we continuing in the faith? And if we are, it's because God's sovereign power is at work in us. He predestined us for his purpose, by his counsel. And right now, right as we are hearing his word, he is working in us. He works so that we will make it. That's how guaranteed your inheritance is. You will never be cut off. You will never be cut out. God gives the inheritance. God gives the inheritance by his sovereign power. God gives the inheritance in his son. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ being in Christ in union with him by faith trusting our lord and trusting him as our lord and savior is described here as hope in Christ, not in the sense of, well, I have looked at every possible religion, I have looked at every possible way to go, and I'm crossing my fingers, and I'm trusting Jesus, and I really hope that that's the right one. There is no crossing fingers in the Christian life. This hope is the confident expectation of good in the future. It looks to Jesus' death and resurrection. It looks and sees that death and resurrection as the only solution for mankind's sin, as the only solution for my sin, and the only hope that we have when we walk through the door of death and into eternity is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this business of we who are the first to hope in Christ is speaking of the Jews. Historically speaking, the first to hope in him were the Jews. But he's not trying to exclude the Gentiles. If you look at verse 13, he starts, in him you also. You also. And even speaks in terms of inheritance that you also have the spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. In fact, that's one of the great truths that Paul champions in his ministry. It's one of the great truths that Paul champions in this letter, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, that the inheritance is theirs. And you know what y'all are? Gentiles. So you should be praising the Lord for that. 
He has included us with him, with the Jews. In other words, the inheritance that is in Christ is for the world. It excludes no people, no nation. It includes those from every background, every ethnicity, every socioeconomic status, every educational level. That whatever our personal histories are, the gospel does not exclude us on the basis of those. Dear friend, if you are here, no matter what background you have, no matter what ethnicity you are from, no matter what socioeconomic status you have, no matter what educational level you have, the gospel is for you. The death of Jesus is sufficient to save all who trust in him. And you may search for eternal life and you may search for a way into the kingdom of God and you may search for heaven in a number of places, but no matter how confident that you are that you have found it outside of him, you haven't. It is only in him that we obtain an inheritance. Finally, God gives the inheritance for his glory. For his glory. We receive an incredible blessing, don't we? Do you rejoice in having eternal life? Do you rejoice in knowing that you are part of the kingdom of God, that you will inherit the kingdom of God? Do you rejoice in knowing that the promises are all yes in Christ and that they are yours forever? Do you rejoice in knowing that one day you will be in uninterrupted fellowship with your Savior? Forever and ever? It's glorious. No more mourning, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death, no more sin. All joy, all peace. It is a blessing beyond comprehension to know that we have obtained an inheritance in Christ. But that is not the end of the sentence. Look at the end of the sentence in verse 12. So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. God has not given us our inheritance to demonstrate how special we are. God has given us our inheritance to demonstrate how glorious He is. In fact, Paul says the whole aim of our lives changes because of it, that we might be to the praise of His glory. That word be essentially means to exist. Because we have an inheritance in Christ that is unfading, that is unshakable, that is guaranteed, that has been predetermined according to the counsel of His will, His purpose, His blueprint that He's working out, because of that, dear friend, if that applies to you, you exist for the praise of His glory. You exi your existence right now is about glorifying Him. Do you catch that? Our inheritance is not to make much of us. Our inheritance is so that we will make much of him. The giver gets 
the glory. We exist to the praise of his glory. This inheritance motivates us to glorify God in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, in every, everything to the glory of God, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do to the glory of God. At work, at school, in marriage, in singleness, in friendships, in the church, in private, in public, in relationship to the culture around us, in conversation with our unbelieving friends, we exist to make much of the God who has done much for us. God has given us an inheritance. God has given us this inheritance by his sovereign power. God has given us this inheritance by his sovereign power in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us this inheritance by his sovereign power in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for his glory. And we will exist forever for his glory. The question we really should end with is, are you existing now for his glory? Are you intentionally existing for his glory? Are you intentionally working at your job for his glory? Are you intentionally interacting with your friends for his glory? Are you intentionally doing your schoolwork for his glory? Are you intentionally operating in marriage for his glory? Are you intentionally seeking to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for his glory? Are you intentionally ministering to other people in the body for his glory? Are you intentionally suffering for his glory? We exist to the praise of his glory. He has given us this inheritance by his sovereign power in his son for his glory. We bless God because he has given us and inheritance. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you thankful for the blessing of this inheritance, for the blessing of eternal life, for the blessing of the kingdom of God, for the blessing of the promises, for the blessings that await us in heaven that in, in, in many respects are beyond our capacity to imagine. We thank you that that day is coming. We do thank you that because you have sealed us with your Holy Spirit, that day is guaranteed. We thank you that you not only planned this inheritance, it is not only your unshakable will for us, but you are working even now, that you are working all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose to conform us to the image of Christ, to increase our capacity to love and glorify you. Help us to live with the realization that we exist for your glory. Help us to live intentionally for your glory. We pray that this congregation more and more will be marked as a people who exist 
and live and love and serve and share the gospel and even suffer for your glory to demonstrate that whatever blessings may be withheld or temporarily removed or permanently removed, whatever temporal blessings may come and go, our true hope, our true understanding of blessing lies in the heavenly places where you have blessed us in Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.